Ready. Cool. So I just want to share a few thoughts, um, you know, just take 10 minutes, we won't be too long, um, about this parable, the wise and the foolish builders. And so the parable's found in two of the four Gospels, it's in Matthew and it's in Luke, uh, and both times it, it occurs during the Sermon on the Mount passage. Um, and so I think probably for most of us, if you, if you grew up going to Sunday school or you've been to Sunday school, you know, this is probably um, the typical picture that you would have in mind when you think about this parable. Uh, you know, that the wise guy built on this kind of elevated bit of rock while the foolish guy planted his house down here in the sand in a flood zone. Uh, and so, you know, when the storm came and the, the waters rose, uh, the wise guy was all good and the foolish guy's house, yeah, unfortunately was washed away. Um, And so it's a very memorable story, um, and we've probably all drawn different lessons from it over the years hearing it spoken on. Um, But as I was kind of reflecting on this, I realized that actually the the story here isn't the main point um, that Jesus is trying to communicate to the crowd on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, And so as Jesus often did, he's using the story uh, as a communication tool. And the whole focus is he's challenging the people that have been listening to him. And he's basically saying, well, how are you now going to respond to what you've just heard? Um, And so this passage, the focus isn't the story. It's it's a communication tool. Uh, The crowd is challenged. You know, how are we going to respond? Will we be, will we put what the Lord has uh, just said into practice and therefore be like a wise man who built his house on the rock? Or will we do nothing with it and therefore be like a foolish man uh, who built his house on the sand? So this is the whole point. It's just a communication tool, but we often remember the story rather than actually what Jesus is trying to say. But I really like the way that Luke um, captures this passage. So in Luke 6, verses 46 to 49, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. And so when you read through Luke's account, you notice that this typical picture that we learnt in Sunday school doesn't match how he's describing uh, these two men and the houses that they build. So in Luke's account, you know, both, build, uh, both hear the words of Jesus, uh, both build their houses on the same ground, um, and both experience a storm. And the difference is that one man puts what he hears into action, and so he's likened to someone who digs down deep through the layers of soft soil until he hits bedrock, and that upon that bedrock is where he lays his foundation. While the other man who doesn't do anything with what he's heard is likened to someone who builds without a foundation at all. And so um, this picture is based on Matthew's account. Matthew makes it uh, look like this. Uh, But I think the danger is, you know, we have these two accounts and they're supposed to be read together. And so I think the danger is when we only learn Matthew's is that we can sometimes look at this foolish man who built down here Um, And we can think like we would never do something as dumb as that. Like you don't have to be a structural engineer to know that's not a good idea. That you you shouldn't build your house on the sand or in a flood zone. And so we kind of walk away thinking, well, I would never do something as foolish as that. And kind of miss the whole point of what Jesus is trying to say. Um, 
And so, because, you know, the difference seems really, really obvious. But in Luke's account, the difference isn't actually visible. It's not what's above the ground that makes the difference. It's what's below the ground. It's the unseen aspects of the house that make it unshakable in the storm. And so I was thinking about this and, and how different it is to the society that we live in, which is, you know, very superficial. It's very about the external and the visible aspects of life. You know, that's kind of what we promote. Uh, we show everyone. We give the most attention to. Uh, but Jesus says that that's like building a house without a foundation. And again, you don't have to be a builder to know that building a house without a foundation is not a good idea. It's unstable. It's susceptible to destruction. It's not going to last. And sadly, this is, you know, something that we even see in the church. And so, you know, when we see leaders and pastors who have moral failings and fall from these kind of positions that they've elevated themselves to, um, it's often because there's a focus on the visible aspects of the house, but we neglect the unseen aspects, which are actually what provides strength and longevity. Um, We neglect our foundation. And so Jesus is saying that it's not enough to just hear my voice. It's not enough to just know what I've said. There has to be a response. There has to be action to it. And uh, this is something that James, the brother of Jesus, summarizes really well. In chapter 1, verses 22 to 27, he says, Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and you forget what you look like. In I don't know, I just had this thought when I was reading that. In modern times, how many times do you look at your phone to check what the time is, put it back in your pocket, and then like one minute later, you're like, what was the time? <laughs> like, you know you saw it, but you didn't actually like take the information. I think that would might be a modern translation. Um, But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So there has to be action because it's through the working out of what we've heard that we build that secure foundation down deep. We're to be hearers and doers of the word of God. And I think it's interesting that James is the one that communicates this to us because most of us will be familiar with James, the brother of Jesus, and that for, well, all of the life of Jesus, he heard what Jesus said, but didn't believe that he really was the son of God, that he was the Messiah of Israel. It wasn't until after the resurrection of Jesus that we see that he came to believe. And so he was a hearer, but not a doer. He grew up hearing these things, but never believed them. And so when he tells us, you know, you're only fooling yourselves if you listen, but don't respond, he knows that's true because he's been that fool for most of his life. Um, And so I just find it interesting that James is the one that tells us there has to be action in what we hear. And so I think the fact that um, Jesus likens this to laying a foundation kind of tells two things. Um, One, that it's a process that takes time. And two, it's a process that takes effort. Now, um, Amy can attest to this. I'm not a builder. I, I have skills in other areas, but handyman and building is not one of them. And I guess that's why God brought me into pastoring and not into like some form of construction work. Um, but my dad down the back is. And so I've grown up kind of around construction sites. Sometimes I've helped with laying foundations. And I know that it, it, is, it is hard work. But we have to remember that 
Jesus didn't tell us this fascinating story in our day and age where we have, you know, modern building techniques and we have excavators and power tools that kind of help this process happen quick. You know, this is back in first century Israel where there are no excavators, there are no power tools. You can't just run down to Bunnings or Mitre 10 to pick up a few bits and pieces. You know, you have to build everything, create everything yourself um, and do everything by hand. And it's, it's a process that takes a significant amount of time and amount of effort. And as I was kind of just doing some reading through articles about first century um, houses, sometimes it was like a one or two year planning process and gathering of materials before you would even start the build, which then took another like year or two. And so it kind of gave me a little bit of grace for this, who we call the foolish, because it's a lot of hard work to build a house. And so it kind of makes sense that you'd be like, oh, do I want to spend more time building a foundation? Uh, we'll just risk it. Um, apparently it was actually quite common to just, yeah, not build a foundation because they were just seen as temporary structures. But that's not what God's called us. We're not called to just be temporary. We're called to have longevity and strength. Um, and so when we think about it in, in this context of, of, of ancient Israel, you realize kind of the enormity of what Jesus is actually saying, you know, that it's not easy to put what I've told you into practice, that it's going to take effort, it's going to take intention, and it's going to take time, but it's essential if we are to weather the storms of life. And so the reality is we've all faced, you know, personal storms. Koti was sharing some, um, and I saw people kind of nodding and in agreement. You know, we've all been through personal storms, and sometimes they've had just a, a, a minor impact on us, and sometimes there have been storms that have really knocked us back. Um, and I think we can all attest to the fact that if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for His grace or His patience or His loving kindness or some other foundational characteristic of God that we've held on to, that we wouldn't be here today. But I have a sense that um, there are storms approaching, and I think that Jesus was kind of um, inclining to this uh, during some of the things that he said. But there are storms approaching over the next several years that aren't just personal. I think they're going to be national and, and on a global scale. And I think this is kind of the parable was alluding to this in some way because both men experienced the same storm. It wasn't two separate storms. They both experienced the storm. and The outcome was different. And so, you know, we've experienced a, a global storm recently with COVID and, and some Christians weathered it really well. Some probably felt like their foundations were just tested to the absolute limit. Um, and sadly, I think we all probably know some people um, that were kind of washed away in a sense, you know, that uh, lost hope during that time. Um, and if you remember, uh, we had Shirley Carpenter come and visit a couple months ago and she talked a little bit about this and how it was just the beginning of the birth pangs. Um, and so we are going to experience more storms uh, in life. And so I think now more than ever do we need to ensure that our foundations are dug down deep and that they're laid upon the rock so that we won't be shaken when they come. We need to be hearers and doers of God's word. And all of this needs to be done in relationship and intimacy with the Lord. And so just in closing, I want to emphasize that need for an intimate relationship with the Lord, because in Matthew's account of the story, uh, the passage that precedes this story is this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly that I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so should we prophesy? Yes, of course, Paul encourages that we should all prophesy in 1 Corinthians 14.5. Should we cast out demons and perform miracles? Yes, Jesus said that these would be the accompanying signs uh, in fulfilling the Great Commission in Mark 16.17. And so these men that came to the, in, in the Lord in the end times, they were doers of the word, but it seems it was done outside of relationship with the one that gives the prophetic word to, the, to speak, the one whose name causes demons to tremble and to flee to the one who the impossible is possible and the supernatural is natural. It has to be from a place of intimacy and relationship that we uh, respond to what he's told us and we put these things into action. And so I just want to finish in praying for us um, and then just, yeah, if anyone needs prayer or anything like that, we'd love to, to pray with you. Otherwise, we'll close our service and we can have some fellowship together. Lord, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that it's alive, that it's available to us, that we are so blessed to live in a society where we can access your word anytime, any day, from anywhere. Um, we thank you for that privilege and help us to not take it for granted. Holy Spirit, I would pray that you'd help us to be hearers and doers of the word and to put it into action in just everyday life both in our private life and in our public life, um, whether it's at work with our colleagues or at home with our family, Lord, that we would be doers of your word. And Father, I pray that you would help us to dig these deep foundations, to get down through the layers of soft soil, to do that hard work, to invest in time and effort and intention, to find the, the rock of Christ uh, and upon him to lay our foundation. So that we would be secure, Lord, in the midst of the storms that we're all facing um, or are going to face. And yeah, I just want to pray uh, for those that may be in the midst of a storm right now, Lord. I just pray uh, for an abundance of your grace in this time to endure these difficulties. I pray that you would uh, remind them that uh, they are not alone, that you are there beside them. You are present with them through it. Uh, I pray that your joy that surpasses understanding would be, um, yeah, just abundant in their life. And I pray that your love and comfort of your Holy Spirit would be with them, Lord God. And so, yeah, we just commit ourselves to you, God. Use us as your vessels. Help us to be secure and, and firm in you, Lord Jesus. And whatever may be ahead, God, we trust you. Uh, and yeah, we just take a moment again to pray for our elections. God, we ask again for your favor, but we trust your will. Whatever the outcome is, Father, we trust you. We know that you are supreme and in control. And yeah, help us to be um, obedient to what you've instructed us to do, to pray for the leaders that you've placed in positions of power, whether they're the party that we wanted or not, um, that we would uphold them in prayer. And yes, there may be a conflict between what the government tells us and what your word tells us. And I pray that you would give us wisdom uh, to discern what to do, to be obedient to your word, um, but to do so in a way, in a way that represents you well. Um, and so, yeah, we just commit the election to you, God. Guide us as, as, as we think and pray about who to vote for, and we just trust you with the outcome. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Awesome. Bless you guys. Apologies for going a little bit over time, but please stick around. Uh, yeah, if you need any prayer, come, come grab myself or, or Amy or one of the leaders. We'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, tea, coffee, and savouries are out here. Bless you guys.